Think again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Together we're talking about economic growth. Is it really desirable? And what does it even mean? The economy has been in the news again in recent times, as it always does when things don't seem to go that well. Well, of course, referring to rather different groups of people, or as we now like to call them, different stakeholders. What seemed to go well for one lot does not seem to be going that well for another. Still, the assumed wisdom is that we all, that means all stakeholders, must look after the health of the economy and the goodies will then trickle down to all of us, Mm -hmm. irrespective of the size of the stake we hold in our little hands. Or, to paraphrase Mr. Scott Morrison, it will be giving a go to all those who have a go. We talked about this in our third program, you will probably remember, not quite, uh, yeah, now quite a while ago. In the lead-up to the federal election, both the Liberal and the Labour parties had been spruiking their credentials of being the best at managing the economy. In more recent times, the Morrison government's credentials for this managing thing on behalf of all of us are being questioned with the growth of the economy having slowed for several quarters in a row. It would be good, given what we said about the different stakeholders, to be a tad more specific about how this slowing down has affected the stakeholders in rather different ways. But we will show uh, come to that a little bit later. Yes, well, in order to stimulate the economy, that means having it growing in a higher or faster way, the Reserve Bank has cut its official interest rate twice in June and July to record lows. So Shadow Treasurer Jim Tarmans came out and he said the government has no idea how to turn Australia's floundering economy around and he said that economic growth hasn't been this slow for 10 years. So we had a look at that. While a fact check by the ABC broadly supports his claims, we wanted to go a bit deeper, of course. After all, our program is called Think Again. So how do we measure economic growth and its pace? What does it mean? Is continuous economic growth even possible? Is it desirable? And how much and how long is it desirable for? Um, or possible? Uh, Should it ideally be never-ending and in all areas and sectors of the economic system, or what? So they were just a few of our small, few small questions. Amazingly, with all the noise of the economic and of economic analysis that we hear all the time, these questions are rarely raised. And if they are, they are raised and discussed in so-called think tanks. 
whose reports and ideas rarely get the benefit of widespread publication and exposure. All the experts are inside some type of thinking bubble, Mm. taking us all along with them, or so they hope, if they do. Uh, So first of all, how is the economy measured and how is economic growth measured? Let's unpick this by going back to our third program. So in our third program, we talked about gross domestic product and what that means, and we unpicked that a bit. So to obtain an overall picture of how the economy is going, economists measure it by the ups and downs of the gross domestic product, or GDP. This is meant to be a proxy for what we produce or do a value in our society. The logic is that people pay dollars for what they value and or need, and conversely, what people don't pay for, and hence don't seem to want or need, is effectively of no value. It doesn't count. So, economists count up the dollars that are spent on things, including the work people do to make or deliver those things. They add up the money exchange and then they say, this is the total figure for what we domestically produce that is of value. This provides the figure for the GDP. So, of course, we pointed out a few problems with this. Firstly, the GDP was never designed to measure the health of the whole economy, let alone how we're going. It measures what it measures, the dollars spent on goods, labour, services, etc. It does not measure everything of value. For example, caring, voluntary work, or for example, giving birth to a new person, which we sort of do call labour, but we would rather hesitate to call it work or employment, wouldn't we? On the other hand, cutting down of Aboriginal heritage trees and cleaning up oil spills, they do count as productivity. And their mon- monetary co- costs are included. And certainly at present, we see you know, the Amazon burning. The Brazilian government will include the costs of the Amazon, Amazon's fires and what they do to whatever what they do uh, about them as contributing to the growth of their economy. However... What is not factored into these calculations is the damage done to the environment for its own sake and for present and for future generations of humans. Only the goods that were made, used and sold in the process for dollars causing the damage and and the damage that can't, only those things can be measured in currency terms are therefore included in what adds up to the GDP. Mm, so that's some of the hocus-pocus around yeah, and, GDP yeah, and growth. That's right. And the damage which is being done is often totally what they call externalised to, the, to uh, what, what is calculated into the government. And in effect externalised to future exactly. generations to pick uh, up. And on that note, let's just have a look and uh, listen to Nothing to Lose by Sarita. I'm going to get active, reactive. Directed I have 
Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labor Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japarang traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japarang country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. You're listening to Jacques and Jennifer on Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about economic growth and what that means. We have been criticising the widespread use of GDP as a measure of economic success or as a sole measure of economic mm-hmm. success. Economic growth refers to the growth of the GDP. Uh, money being spent in the economy. And that growth apparently needs to be there all the time for the economy and for us people to be okay. But one has to really ask, is infinite growth even possible? Yes. Well, Kate Raworth, who wrote Donut Economics, she says that even when asked, economists can't explain a long-term forecast of ongoing infinite economic growth. It's like having a line on a graph that points up to infinity, indicating that it goes on forever. But when economists draw this in a diagram and she asks Mm -hmm. them what happens after that, they can't answer her. But it looks very nice on a graph when you can show it on the television or so. The alternative would, (laughs) of course, be to have growth flatten out or plateau at some point in time. And there certainly are economists who are advocating for that, like the stable state economy. Uh, probably uh, it even you know degrow. And there is a whole worldwide movement about degrowth nowadays, or go down in a sense. For example, would that decide to stop? When you would decide to stop producing weapons, for example, mm. nuclear bombs, military bases, well, those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but also to really start looking at other ways of producing things, mm. which probably may bring less money, but which would be better for the planet and for people. And yet, all we hear in the mainstream media is GDP growth is vital and a good thing. It's Absolutely. Like a religion. Mm, It is a religion, yeah. Our economic religion. So uh, Kate Raworth points out that even the founding fathers of economic theory thought growth would eventually flatten out. Adam Smith and David Ricardo saw this flattening as a problem, but John Stuart Mill thought it would usher in a golden age where we could move beyond the mere increase of production and accumulation. So even the famous fathers of the capitalist system of running economies did not really see eye to eye as to whether the inevitable flattening out of growth would be a problem, but they did agree it would happen. And, of course, the women who in so many ways did labour were rarely ever asked, hence fathers of of economic (laughs) thinking. 
First of all, you just can't have infinite economic growth. The math don't stack up. If something increases exponentially, like algae on a pond, or debt, or a credit card, or for example cancer, it increases much faster than we expect. As Kate Robert explains, in 2015, the growth world product was around $80 trillion, of course. We calculate that in US dollars, as that is what we've been told measures things best. Or should we also not wonder about that? But that's for another program. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we have said that uh, the, the, we have been told that these kinds of measures, they uh, measure the best the way in which we go with our economy. Should we not wonder a little bit about, with Kate Roweth, to think what would happen if that 3% growth, which she, with the economists that say, we predict, to. at this rate, the global economy would be nearly three times larger in 2050. That is about 30 years from now. And it would be $250 trillion. <laughs> think about it to the end of this century. It would be 240 times bigger by 2200. That is 240 times larger, or it would be something like $19,200 trillion within 80 years with a 3% growth rate. So, nobody, so no wonder no one wants to look at that. It's, um, it's quite insane if you think about it. Well, so it's, it's not, of course, it's not just the maths that don't stack up. The second point, which is really the most important point, is that we live on a finite planet. Mm -hmm. Thus, the mm -hmm. basis or foundation of our productivity, let alone our survival, is finite. It's not infinite. So over the last two centuries, the huge economic growth in high-income countries has come largely from cheap fossil fuels mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and from the exploitation of stealthy siphoning of the resources of former colonies and at present from countries needing to boost the growth of their GDP, but often sorry, continuing to suffer from a wave of neo-colonialism and the rules of the global capitalist system that are stacked against them. Amazingly, it took decades for economists to work this out. Or could it be that the assumption that all stakeholders would benefit, if not equally, then still everyone at least a little bit, you know, that from the growth uh, in the assumed value of GDP. Yes. But could it be that that's quite wrong? Yeah. And I, what I find really amazing is that it took them decades to work out that growth mostly comes from the goods of the natural world. They couldn't work out where all the growth was coming from. Mm, exactly. Until they factored that in. And they didn't also the unpaid labour, as I said before, of women and of so many other people who volunteer. Mm. That's not included. Now, life wouldn't happen without the labour of women in that kind of a sense. So all of that is quite, uh, quite unquestioned assumptions underlying many commentators' supportive comments about the need for growth. Mm -hmm. Look at our newspapers. They're both full of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's often put as what I call or we call the pie theory or the pizza slice theory, to update that a mm, little bit. Thank you, Jacques. We, <laughs> we think about... about uh, the, the, but we often think 
coming from a welfare perspective, uh, rather than think about the redistribution of resources and say, okay, there's some of us who have too much and others who have mm-hmm. not enough, why don't we just redistribute the wealth? That's, of course, a no-no in the kind of ways in which we think about labor uh, as, as a sort of an absolute obligation and that mm. you work for what you get, all of that kind of a mm. phil- philosophy which surrounds that. And therefore we say, well, growth will help because growth is going to grow the size or the slice everyone gets from the pizza, Mm -hmm. irrespective of how small or large that slice is. But of course, when growth happens, the distribution of that growth goes unevenly much more to those who have already a larger slice Mm -hmm. and much less to those have a very small slice. But often that kind of a thing, let's grow the economy Mm. so that everyone will benefit, is actually quite an an unquestioned kind of an assumption because it won't. Why do we have so much to do with uh, the fact nowadays that our wages uh, have not grown, particularly on the underside, on the lower side of the, of the income scale. That's right. So they have not gotten the benefit of the growth. That's right. And some have got much, much more about uh, of, of gain from the uh, from the growth. Yeah, it's like the person in charge of distribution of the pizza slices. There's a rule saying whoever has the biggest slice already, they get mm-hmm. to decide how it's sliced up from here on yeah, and and how it's yeah exactly and how the increase is being distributed as well so the point here is that we can talk about the size of an, an economy or and its rate of growth but this says nothing about distribution or how the benefits of the economy are shared amongst the people. Exactly. That's the point. Actually, we know that wealth has become much more concentrated in a few at the top over the last few decades. We know that. We also know that those with wealth have used their power and influence to rig the system to consolidate and increase their advantage, hence my extension of your pizza metaphor, Jacques. Mm. So um, the Nobel Prize-winning economist Joseph Stiglitz explains mm-hmm. this in mm-hmm. his book people, power and profits. And I'd like to add, he's far from radical. He's Mm pro-capitalism and he's lamenting the old capitalism where um, the pie was more evenly shared, for example, Mm -hmm. between World War II and the Reagan Thatcher, Thatcher, I said Thatcher, Thatcher era -hmm. (laughs) era starting in the 1980s. So he's far from radical. And he is not alone in that kind of a thing. There's people who want to improve capitalism in that way, but their voices are rather muffled. Red alert. Numbers are needed at the Japurung Heritage Protection Embassy camps immediately. Sacred birthing trees on Japurung country need protecting. Over 50 generations have been born on these sites and the birthing trees themselves are 800 years old. These trees are being protected from the Victorian Labour Party's planned highway extension that is set to destroy this sacred dreaming landscape. The cops are coming with eviction orders very soon. The campaign to protect country is led by Japurung traditional owners who are calling on people from all walks of life for support. You can help by joining traditional owners at the camp on Japurung country near Ararat or by donating and putting pressure on Daniel Andrews to protect this sacred land. Visit dwembassy.com for more information and updates. No trees, no treaty. You're listening to Jacques and Jennifer on Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.
not AU. Today we're talking about economic growth and just picking up what we said before the uh, the promo. All the growth we have had over the past, say, 25 years or so has overwhelmingly gone to those who already have too much. Inequality has grown by a factor more than 20, of more than 20 across the world and in Australia. We have read and heard stories about wage growth, as I said before, being quasi-stagnant and not keeping up with the cost of, li- of living especially for the lower income layers. And we know what has happened to the party that, however meekly, tried to address wage growth in the last election and doing something about wealth disparities. And that party that now tail between legs rehashes the same growth stories and its distribution, mainly by not talking about it anymore. Mm. And Jacques, that wouldn't be the Labour Party, would it? Of course it would. (laughs) Shamefully. Yes. Anyway, the focus on economic growth is an obsession and a fetish with lots of ulterior motives attached to it, as we've been discussing. And we need to call it out, which is what we're doing now, of course. We need to start or we need to continue using our brains, also believing what our brains tell us and shout it out. We need to share our doubts and our insights because the emperor is definitely parading in the nude with all the pretenses about the need for growth and the idea that once we have it, things will all be okay and cosy. Let's move away from the charade and endorse Kate Roworth's idea that we change our collective goal to meeting the human rights of every person within the means of our life-giving planet. New Zealand is showing quite a little bit of the way towards this with the world's first well-being budget. But then again, according to a a certain Mr. Jones Mm -hmm. on a station I won't name, uh, they say calling the the Prime Minister of New Zealand just a lightweight person. We'd give a lot for such a lightweight Prime Minister here, I would say. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.